0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today Tom Cantor will teach us how the Bible refers to a world that is against God and there's a world system that is against God as well. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org.
1: Father, we come to you this morning. We know that we have an internal enemy, our own heart, that takes us away from God. And we need, Lord, so much the work of your gracious Holy Spirit to bring us to God and this morning, Lord, we pray that that uh, through the class that our internal enemy would be put down, and that the Lord Jesus Christ and the person of His Spirit would have his way in Jesus name. Amen. Now, uh, if you uh, turn please in uh, your Bible to Genesis chapter four, we're going to going to read the text here for. And uh, really what we're going to do right now is read the summary of the line of Cain, which is starting in verse 23. So if you take that, look right there at verse 23, that'll be good. All right, so this is the summary of this line of Cain as really put forth for us here by this person called Lamech. And Lamech said unto his wives Ada and Zilha, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare his son, and called his name Seth. For God said she hath appointed me another seed, instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, There was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. In the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Now, in our last study when we were together, we saw this blossoming out of one part of the very important verse. Some have called it the most important verse in the Bible, Genesis 3.15. That there would be a seed of the serpent, that there would be a seed of the devil, And this seed was the line of Cain. And it's a horrible establishment of a line that was characterized, as we saw, it was characterized by pride and by boasting and by murder, as we just read, and by this feeling of self-sufficiency. And they were very anxious, as we saw, to carry out the great experiment of life. That's what they think. What is the great experiment of life? I'll tell you. It's to prove that with your life and the lives of your children also, you guide them in this direction, that you can have a great productive life. You can have a productive life. You can have a great life where you design and you build new products, and you build new cities, and you make new cultures, and you can have a great life of excelling in science, and art, and literature, and fashion, and music, and research. And you can have this great life of building up banks of knowledge, and educating others in the same way. And as you give yourself to all these pursuits and fill every part of your life with these pursuits, the great experiment of life is to prove that you can do all these just fine without God. That's what we're living in today, is the great experiment of life to prove you can have an enjoyable, a fulfilling, a satisfying life without God, that you can have a life by never asking for, never acknowledging, and certainly never giving thanks for any help of God. The great experiment of life is to prove you don't need God in your life. It's to prove you can stand in life without a crutch, that you can stand in life without religion, to prove that you can just have a great life without ever acknowledging God as creator. As creator. That's the great experiment of life. That's what it is. It's to prove that you can just sleep just fine at night. After you say to those religious people, if it makes you happy, that's great. But just leave me alone. Because I'm part of the great experiment of life. And I'm just happy without God. You can fill your life, this is what they say. You can be an enjoyable life, a satisfying life. You can do all that without God. It's to prove this. It's really to prove Romans 118. Do you want to return to it? It says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That's an interesting phrase, hold the truth. The word hold, katecho, it means they hold down the truth. Just like you just picture like two wrestling people and, and one of them is the truth and he's trying to get up and the other one is pinning him down. He's holding him down. He's, he's keeping down. And that's what they're doing. They're holding down the truth. The truth wants to get up and they're holding it down. It also has the meaning of holding back, holding back the truth. So the image here is that the truth wants to go forward. The truth wants to lead. And they've put a leash on the truth, and they're holding it back. It has the meaning of suppression, suppressing the truth. The truth wants to proclaim, and they've gagged the truth. They've gagged the truth. They withhold the truth, like what is needed to live in like life, truth, and they withhold it. And this is what they're doing here, and this is how it's described here. And you know what? It's tiring to do that. It's exhausting to do that. Why? Why is it exhausting? Why is it tiring to hold back the truth, hold down the truth, suppress the truth, withhold the truth? Why? Because Psalm 19, Psalm 19, one through three says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day. There's speech going on day unto day, utter a speech night unto night. There's a show going on. Go outside, look up there's a show going on. It says it's the show with knowledge. And it says it's a universal language. There's no speech nor language for their voice is not heard. Everybody can see it. Everybody can hear it. Everybody can understand it. You don't need to go learn another language. It's a universal language, it says. At 6 am this morning, I, I, I went outside and decided to sit down there and drink my juice. And uh, I looked up in the sky. I don't know if you were out there. Anybody out there this morning at 6 a.m. It was just spectacular. You could not believe it there was clouds in the sky. And when the sun started to come up, those clouds got this most brilliant bright silver lining, bright lining. Did you see that? Am I the only one who saw that? Okay, <laughs> you saw it, yeah. Bright lining around them. And then they changed. What a show! And it was just a panorama every place to turn. I took a picture, but it didn't do it justice. And what was that? And there were birds, and they were singing, and they were going from tree to tree. And what was all that? The whole scene was just a proclamation of the glory of the Creator. The glory of God. And it was in every language. We speak the same language. But anyways, there's no language who saw that. And when the heavens are like that, and they're declaring like they were this morning, and they were declaring and proclaiming loudly the glory of God, and the stars in the sky are speaking incessantly the glory of God, that there's a great, glorious Creator. It's just tiring. It's tiring to overtalk that constant God proclamation by saying, in the beginning, there was no God, and there was a big bang in which nothing exploded. <laughs> That's what they're saying. Nothing exploded, and we have the marvelous universe. What do you know about that? It's tiring to do that. It's tiring to overtalk the speech of the day, the speech of the night that proclaims the glory of God. Look at Romans 1:25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the Creator more than the Creator who is blessed forever. It's a strenuous thing to take the truth of God, which is being proclaimed, and to change it into a lie. What's the lie? The lie is somehow non-living matter on its own became living microorganisms. And somehow those microorganisms somehow became a man. Somehow. That's strenuous to keep saying those things. To change the truth of creation into the lie of what they call evolution. Which shouldn't even be called that. But anyway, because where do you start? Where do you start? It's very difficult. Uh, I'll tell you where to start. In our company, we are making two proteins. One is called interleukin-2. The other is called GC macrophage activating factor. We're going to try to see if this can help cancer patients from injecting it to. Anyway, so we've got to make these two proteins. One of them is about 118 amino acids. The other is about 458. It's a big one. 458 amino acids. Now we can't... No one can synthesize proteins that large. We have a department called molecular biology, so we have to uh, get other organisms to uh, synthesize it. So we order the gene. We know there's three nucleotides to make one amino acid, so that means the first one's got about 300, nucleotides, three make a codon, so, and nucleotides, and the other one's got over a thousand. So we get them in, and then we have to make something called a vector, and, and splice it into an insect cell or a Chinese hamster ovary cell. I know this is very valuable information for you this morning, so <laughs> I just want to make sure that you get it all correctly, you know. And so, and then in the flask, we cause the insect cells to grow, or the Chinese hamster ovarian cells to, to grow, and, and the consequences is they make these two human proteins, interleukin-2 and, and uh, GC-MAF, that we harvest and experiment now. with. Okay, now, the point is, why do we have to insert those genes into the insect cell and the Chinese hamster cell. Because the insect cell and the Chinese hamster cell don't have those genes. Those genes make human proteins. And they don't have those genes. So we've got to vector them in to get them to make the two human proteins. And there's many of those proteins that make up us, that are human, that are not found in insect cells, and they're not found in Chinese hamster ovarian cells, <laughs> or the Chinese hamster, or any hamster for that matter. But anyway, uh, they're not there. So evolution is always saying, you know, mutation, mutation, mutation. Destroy some of the genetic material and something else will come out. Well, you can destroy all you want the genetic material of the insect cell or the Chinese hamster uh, cells. You will never get human interleukin-2 or um, or human gc Why? It's not there to start with. The information's not there. The genes aren't there. That's why we have to insert them in. It doesn't make any sense. It's like someone has said, evolution is a really good adult fairy tale. <laughs> and it's a strenuous thing, especially if you're a scientist. It's a strenuous thing to take the truth of God and to change it into a lie. It's very strenuous. And Romans 2.8 eight says, But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, nation, and wrath. The truth is not just Information. The truth is something to obey. The truth is man is created, and the truth is that we are to obey the creator. That's the truth. And it's just hard to live a life where you're constantly not obeying the truth. In 1 Timothy 4.2, it talks about speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The word seer is interesting. You know, they're speaking lies and hypocrisy. The word seer, it's the word that we get cauterization from, cauterized.
0: Tom, today you talked about creation. Now that's a hot topic because we're hearing that the Bible is not literally true when it says that the earth was about 6,000 years old and was made in six 24 hour periods. Now what is our response as believers to these kind of
1: statements from the world? Well, first of all, it's just like you said, we need to identify the source. These are statements of the world, and by the world, we mean the world system. The Bible speaks of the world. When it speaks of the world, the Bible speaks of a literal sphere, a planet, the world, and then the Bible also speaks of and uses the word world to refer to a world system. The Bible speaks, and this is very important, that the world system is against God. That's told to us in 1 John two fifteen through 17, where it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world or the things that are of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. See the conflict. The, you see the verses father versus the world. For all that is in the world, the love of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world, period. In other words, it said all that's really comprising this world system, which is a the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life does not come from God. It's of the world system. Then verse 17 says, and the world. Passeth away. In other words, the world is in the process of passing away and the lusts thereof. In other words, the lust along with it. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So the first thing to see is that this world system that the Bible talks about is absolutely against God. It's on the other side of the pole. It's the world versus God or the world system versus God. The second point to see is ourselves. This, we need to understand, we are not as believers, we are not a part of the world system. In John 18, 36, it says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then when my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence.' So God is not a part of this world system. And because God is not a part of this world system that's against God, we should not be a part of this world system either. And that's what James 4, 4, which gets back really to the title of this program where it says adulterers and adulteresses know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So in other words, God is saying here, the first step to being a friend of God is to be an enemy of the world. Or the way the verse puts it is that to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. And then the next part is that we are to view ourselves as foreign to this world as even though we came out of this world system we were a part of this world system we we also partook of the lusts of this world and the pride of life and ego and exaltation of self and so forth. But God saved us out of that. And this is what it says in John 15, 18 through 19. If the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore, the world hates you. In John seventeen six, he put it this way: I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. So you see, what we see here, in summary, is that the statements that the bible is not correct when it says that the world is 6000 is not 6000 years old and uh, sorry let me say it this way the Bi- the statements of the bible is not correct when the bible says the world is 6000 years old and it was made in 6 6- 24-hour literal periods, those statements are from the world system. That world system is against God. And if we have a world system that's against God, let me give you an A, B, and we'll ask the question, which one would you expect to hear from a world system that's against God? Option A, you know, I've come to the conclusion that God is real and the Bible is correct. Okay, that's option A. Option B, you know? I've come to the conclusion that God is not real and the Bible is not correct. Which one, A or B, would you expect from a world system which is against God? B, I have come to the conclusion that God's not real and the Bible is not correct. Why is this so important? Because it unveils for us motive. What is the motive of the world system by making comments about something that no one was there except God to say that the origin of the world is not 6,000 years, as the Bible says, and the world was not made in six 24-hour periods. Who cares? And what is the issue here? There's a motive behind this pushing of this great agenda that the Bible is not correct in Genesis. And if it's not correct in Genesis, then it's not correct in Genesis through Revelation, the whole Bible. That's the first thing to see. Second, the world system really has hijacked science, and it uses hijacked science as an authority to state that the Bible is not correct. Now, I'm a scientist. I would never say something like, science says— because that's so fallacious, because within the scientific community, there's always differing opinions on everything. So to say that everybody is all agreed, that's crazy. So the world system has hijacked science and says, now the science says with all of its authority that the Bible is not correct when the Bible says that the world is 6,000 years old and it was made in six 24-hour periods. Now, we as believers, we have two concerns. First, that we are not influenced ourselves by the world system. We are not influenced by the world that's against God. We are not influenced by the world who says that the Bible is not correct. We are not influenced by the world that has hijacked science to say that science says the Bible is not correct when the Bible says that the world is 6,000 years old and is made in a pro- in, in 24, six 24-hour 24 periods, see? Our second concern is that in believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we take the commission seriously and we have a heart for the lost. And so we are trying also to make sure that we can influence others who have been lied to by the world system and so that they can come out as we have and be saved. Now, for both of these concerns, we need both defensive and offensive arguments against what the world system says when it says that the Bible is not correct, as when the Bible says that the world is approximately 6,000 years old and was made in six 24-hour periods. And that is the basis for the creation ministries. We have a creation ministry, the uh, Earth Creation and Earth History Museum here in Santee, and there are others with Answers in Genesis and with Institute in Creation Research and Creation Ministries International. What are they doing? They are putting forward very valuable defensive and offensive arguments against the world system that says that the world is not as the Bible says it is, when the Bible says that the world was created approximately 6,000 years ago and everything was made in six literal 24-hour periods. When I say defensive and offensive arguments, they really are in two categories. For example, the world system says that the world is uh, billions of years old. Defensive arguments will take arguments, for example, in the fields of geology or in biology or in astronomy and will point out that that can't be, for example, the time period that we know it takes for a comet to disintegrate. And that time period is such that we should have no comets that we can comets that we can see now, because they all should have disintegrated within the the billions of years that they claim exists. The arguments of the saltiness of the ocean—we know the rate at which salt goes into the ocean. And by using that rate, which is a time measurement, we can use the saltiness, the salt content of the ocean today, and the knowledge of the rate to calculate back, no way it can be billions of years old. To look at the amount of mud on the surface of the ocean floor, which also collects at a certain rate. To look at the amount of dust on the moon, which also collects at a certain rate. And to look at the amount of mountains, which disintegrates at a Certain rate, we can use all these rates to calculate and understand. There is no way that the wor- that the that the that the creation is more is is anywhere near billions of years old. Those are defensive arguments offensive arguments are to look at the wonders of the creation that we live in and to say, this is so beautiful. This could only could have happened by God and the enzyme reactions within the body, the way the CO2 is made by plant, uh, CO2 is taken up by plants, etc. So we need all of these arguments as we go forward as Christians.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Now, our February resource of the month here at Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program is our new Tom Cantor DVD called What is a Jew by Choice versus a Jew by Birth? Tom Cantor passionately teaches in this DVD the history of choices the Jewish people have made as well as that Gentiles make today by being grafted in. It's an incredible teaching that ties in the New and the Old Testament. It's a great gift for any Christian or a lost Jewish person. Tom Cantor isn't just a great radio teacher, he's a great visually animated preacher in this unique DVD presentation you're going to want to watch. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051 to get your copy or to get the gospel to a lost Jewish person. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.